It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The Philadelphia Phillies stunned the 104-win Atlanta Braves and are headed back to the NLCS. Also, the Chiefs took care of business, even if it didn't look like we're used to seeing. And the Diamondbacks are the most surprising playoff team in a while. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Because it's just been that kind of postseason this October in Major League Baseball. The Philadelphia Phillies finished off the Atlanta Braves in game four. A 3-1 final yet again. A two-homer effort in this one. And the, the whole series has been marked now by the drama, which we will get to with Connor Thomas from Locked On Phillies. And, and Connor, let's start with the baseball. How was Philadelphia able to pull this off against the team that was for, what, six months, the best team in baseball? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, Pete, I honestly have no idea. I don't think anyone on the planet <laughs> saw the Braves offense going as quiet as they did in this series. It's a credit to the starting pitching first and foremost. Uh, Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, Ranger Suarez were outstanding in this game, well, this series, and the bullpen, just when they needed to go to him early, they got the job done. I don't know how this pitching staff was able to shut down the Braves, but I'm sure there are a lot of people in baseball asking that question right now. And I'm just happy they were able to do it. The amount of clutch pitches and clutch defensive plays and everything you need to beat a team that good. It was just, it was a miraculous series win. It, it does seem to me as, you know, it, it, I, I, I do not consider myself old school by any means. But I see what happens in a game where Bryce Harper goes off because of some chirping that was going on in the opposing dugout. And you're, you're winning the series. And then you, you see a, a Braves team react the way that they did. Like, hey, this was out of bounds. And, and you see Arcia in the dugout again during this game yelling at Phillies fans. And it does make you get a little old school and go, this was a mentally tougher team. This was a team that just wanted it a little bit more. Am I overreacting to all of this drama? I don't think you are. Now, the one thing, I don't know where everything is without a bounds or inbounds in a locker room. It seems like it was fair play and said while well, reporters are around. But that aside, the one thing you don't want to do is talk trash to a superstar player on the other team who owns the Braves career-wise. So that's a bad start. And the mentally tough thing, I think it's just Philadelphia. We saw last year the environment that the Phillies put you in when you come to Citizens Bank Park, and nothing in baseball equals it. And some teams just can't handle it. Even the greatest professional players, sometimes that pressure, that environment is too much. And the fan base deserves a lot of credit for this, but the Phillies players, for using it for motivation and not a distraction, they deserve a lot of credit too. It was a series where a team talked and a team played, and the team that played is moving on. For those who missed it, Orlando Arcia in in the clubhouse made some comments that were reported on. The the Braves players did not love that. He did confirm he said what was reported. Bryce Harper apparently took it personally, glared at Arcia last or two nights ago when he hit 
those two jacks that were the game deciding hits basically in all of this. So to your point, one team talked, one team played as we look now toward the NLCS, we've got a pair of underdog teams. So it's not like they can say, okay, we're the, we're the, we're the underdogs. No, you've got an 84 win team on the other side here. So now what, what, what is, what is the role here? How do they, how do they keep this going? Well, the Phils are fine being the favorite, too. I mean, they saw the Marlins in the <laughs> wild card series and promptly dispatched them. And this is something new, right? Last year, the Phillies were the final wild card team. They had to be the road team in each of their series that they won. Now, well, you got home field advantage going into the NLCS. And Citizens Bank Park is one heck of a home field advantage. They'll be just fine turning it around and being the favorites in this series. And I can't wait because this might bite me in a couple of days, but it's fun seeing a team in uh, in Arizona that was a team below you in the standings and feel like the Phillies have a really good chance compared to if it was the Dodgers or the Brewers. This is about as good as you could hope for as a matchup if you're a Philadelphia Phillies fan. Stay up to date all year on the Philadelphia Phillies by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Phillies on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Chiefs took care of business on Thursday night. Before we get to that, the Broncos are already apparently looking to sell. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. In a very intriguing matchup this Sunday, the Texans home dogs to the Saints FanDuel likes the Saints defense against C.J. Stroud and has the Texans as one-and-a-half-point dogs. You can also combine bets with the same game to make more money. Same-game parlays are a great way to enjoy any game. So go get your $200 back in bonus bets, win or lose. Now, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Denver Broncos plan to move on from Frank Clark, whether via trade or releasing the veteran outside linebacker, according to a new report. Clark agreed to a pay cut to perhaps make him more attractive as a trade piece. He's giving back almost $1.7 million in guaranteed salary. Clark is the second pass rusher the Broncos will have parted ways with in recent days. Late last week, the Broncos traded Randy Gregory to the San Francisco 49ers. Clark has played all of two games in his first season as a Bronco. Deion Sanders has changed the game in college football, but can he change game times? Coach Prime is not a fan of the late starts in Colorado. Funny because his name is Coach Prime, not, not a primetime guy. Takes this week, for example. Colorado kicks off against Stanford at 10 p.m. East, 8 p.m. local time. Coach Prime set of the late start. Who makes these 8 o'clock games? Dumbest thing ever. Stupidest thing ever invented in life. Who wants to stay up until 8 o'clock for a darn game? Hold on. Stay up until 8 p.m.? When does when does Prime sleep? When does he go to bed? Sanders is thankful for what the future holds. He says, thank God we're not going to be in this conference. Los Angeles Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert said he doesn't expect to be restricted in the Chargers Week 6 game against the Dallas Cowboys. Herbert fractured his middle finger on his non-throwing hand in Week 4. Herbert noted that there are a few plays installed for Monday that feature him taking snaps under center, but that they would determine the usage during the week as his finger improves. Chargers coach Brandon Staley later said that Herbert's injury won't have any effect on Monday's game plan. 
Herbert fractured his finger in the third quarter of the Chargers' Week 4 win over the Las Vegas Raiders, and the injury resulted from his finger getting stuck in the helmet after he threw an interception. That is, that is injury to insult on that one. And the UFC has threatened legal action against the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency following a statement the USADA made Wednesday announcing an end to the partnership between the two organizations. UFC Chief Business Officer Hunter Campbell said in a news conference Thursday that he sent a legal letter to the USADA on Wednesday accusing it of defamation and demanding that it issue a retraction and apology. On Wednesday, the USADA issued a statement saying that the agency will cease being the UFC's anti-doping partner beginning January 1st, 2024. The statement stated the UFC did an about-face on their relationship Monday due to the USADA stance on the status of Conor McGregor. Here is another story you need to know. So Taylor Swift played Thursday night. No, come on. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos did in fact play a football game, though at times it did not resemble one. A 19-8 to win by the Chiefs. That was 16 to nothing. This was a game the Kansas City Chiefs mostly controlled, but their offense just doesn't quite look like the offense we're used to seeing. Chris Clark from Locked On Chiefs joins me now. And, and Chris, Travis Kelsey puts together a really nice day. You look at the final numbers for Patrick Mahomes and you go, okay, 30 of 40 for 306 and a touchdown. Yeah, he had the interception. But like, those are Patrick Mahomes numbers. Ultimately, not a Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City Chiefs offensive output we're used to seeing. Why not? Well, the interception, his arm was hit and he had somebody on his ankle. So, I mean, he threw the ball trying to throw it deeper than it went and obviously ended up being a bad play. Uh, You look at... A scenario where McKinnon gets a screen pass, goes for 70 yards, and he gets called back on a penalty. Uh, that would have been a big play for the offense. But the story of the offense is they can't convert on third and short, and they continually get in the red zone and stall out because they just cannot continue to convert that third and short. And, you know, I like the fact that they went for it on fourth down. I hated the call of yeah. how they went for it on fourth down. Uh, I, li- I actually like the third down play. Uh, where Tony got, tried to hand the ball off or should have handed the ball off to Pacheco. Uh, I think that that was a great play design, and it was going for a first down if he hands the ball off, but he held it, and that stopped a promising drive. And it just Kansas City continued to beat themselves tonight, uh, and it ended up not costing them the game late. But thank you for Harrison Bucker being able to kick from you know however far out he was. Yeah. This is a, a team that last year, did not have meaningfully different skill position players. It was Patrick Mahomes. It was Travis Kelsey. It was Sky Moore. It was Jerick McKinnon. It was Isaiah Pacheco. Now Juju Smith-Schuster. But we wouldn't expect a player, no, Juju Smith-Schuster is a nice player, to be this meaningful a difference in the way this offense looks. And yet right now it kind of feels that way. So what is the difference between the offense we saw last year, which was Chiefs-like, and this one? Well, I do think Juju made a big difference for the Chiefs last year, and I I think that that's a little bit more uh, than people want to admit. He was able to get open in man-to-man against man-to-man coverage and was able to give Travis Kelsey a little bit of help uh, at different times. So I think he did play an important piece. Problem for the Chiefs right now is they just don't have a wide receiver that's stepping up. You you saw what Rasheed Rice was able to do. I think that he's going to continue to get more playing time, especially now that it looks like Justin Watson is probably going to be out for – a little bit he got injured tonight so uh you know they've got to have wide receivers step up i will say this and i've kind of said this on the podcast as well i don't think the chiefs care too much as long as they're winning 
because I think what they're looking at is they're trying to get the whole room ready for the playoffs and for the Super Bowl. And I think that's what they're really looking at. As long as they're winning games, I don't think they care. Yeah, this is ultimately a a double-digit score win. And so it's hard to quibble over too much about it. It's just there's an aesthetic portion in all of this. It is worth mentioning, though, the defense has looked terrific this season. And that has been true basically in every game. Um, Not something that Patrick Mahomes has always been able to lean on. There have been times in his career where he's had to go out and win games 35 to 31. What is clicking for this defense this year that maybe wasn't there in years past? Just about everything. Uh, (laughs) The entire unit is playing so well together. Spagnuolo usually is trying to figure things out still into, you know, the seventh, eighth week of the season. This year, he already knew what he had with most of the units, uh, and he's able to sprinkle guys in. And you have to remember, they're playing without their biggest pass rush addition in the offseason in Charles Minihue, who comes back against the Chargers. So that should be a good addition for Kansas City. They haven't been able to get home on at times, but that should be giving them a little bit of a lift up when it comes to getting after the passer. It's going to be interesting to see how they continue to grow. I will say I was very disappointed. I think that they deserve to have a shutout in this game. Um, and uh, I guess we're playing tag football or flag football with the quarterbacks now. Stay up to date all year on the Kansas City Chiefs by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Chiefs on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, the Diamondbacks are one of the most surprising playoff teams in a long time. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. It's that kind of baseball playoffs where we have not one, but at least two teams going, how do they keep beating these teams that were supposed to be better than them in baseball, which is supposed to be the ultimate large sample size sport. What is going on in October? But the Diamondbacks just keep playing David to, in this case, the LA Dodgers, Goliath. Miller Thomas from Locked On D-backs joins me now. And and Miller, this has been quite the run, starting with that Brewers series. And it's not just that they're winning these games, much like the Texas Rangers. They're winning and they're not giving up games on the other side. How did How did they make this transformation in the postseason? Yeah, like you said, the D-backs are doing this in dominant fashion. Never surrendered a lead in that Dodgers series, which is just something I think is incredible. Considering this D-backs team in 2017 was swept by the Dodgers. And honestly, Peter, I mean, I don't know how the D-backs flipped the switch to the postseason, but they did. This was a team that really didn't have power. That was something that, like, was one of the weaknesses of this D-backs team from the regular season. All of a sudden, they're the best power-hitting team in Major League Baseball. (laughs) In Game 3 against the Dodgers, they set the MLB record 
four home runs in one single inning in that third inning against Lance Lynn, who is the most home run prone guy in Major League Baseball, right? So somehow they've turned into the best power hitting team in Major League Baseball. Then also their bullpen has arguably turned into the best in baseball as well. Because we know the Brewers and Dodgers, when you look at their bullpen ERA, number two and number three, respectively, in Major League Baseball, this D-backs team, they were like middle of the pack at best in terms of their bullpen. It only became that way because the final month of the season, the bullpen was able to heat up a little bit. Sub three ERA in that month of September, they've been able to carry that into the postseason as well. Ryan Thompson picked up off waivers from Tampa Bay in August. Revelation for this team. Sal Frank as well. Then Kevin Ginkle has been fantastic all season. Paul Seawald was a fantastic pickup by Mike Hazen at the MLB trade deadline. The D-backs all of a sudden, their offense is incredible. We knew they were the answer backs from the regular season. Their bullpen has been incredible. And of course, they have an elite frontline rotation with Zach Allen, Merrill Kelly. Everything from the baseball side, offense, defense, pitching is clicking right now for the D-backs. The fact that you named just like five guys that were just like, oh yeah, they picked up this guy and then this guy's playing much better. Like It just seems kind of crazy that we're in this position with a team that won 84 games in the regular yeah. season, was fighting for their, their playoff lives here. And so that leads us to this question of sustainability. And now it seems like, I don't know, asked and answered in a lot of ways, like it was sustainable through, through two rounds here. But if you're, if you're looking at the sustainability of this, what are you most concerned comes back down to earth and is the thing that comes back to bite them in the postseason? Uh, probably, I would probably say the bullpen. I mean, just because, I mean, Ryan Thompson, I mean, that last appearance in game three was the first time he allowed an earned run all season for the D-back. So it's like he was finally due, I guess. I mean, Sal Frank and Seawald has been phenomenal all postseason. I would say it's probably not even one of those four guys. It would probably be like Miguel Castro or Mansfly, one of those other dudes, one of those complimentary pieces that you bring in, maybe one of your starters goes out early and you have to go to the bullpen. I think that's where the biggest issue can still be because I think I still have the most question marks and the least amount of uh, of confidence in the D-backs bullpen just because of what I've seen from you know times this season and what I've seen from the D-backs past. Like, I'm just kind of scarred by this D-backs bullpen. And it's it just crazy to see them do what they're doing right now because there's never been a point since I've hosted the D-backs podcast where I'm like, man, you can actually trust the D-backs bullpen. You can rely on it <laughs> to close out D-backs games because there's been so many times, even you go back to last season, it's like the D-backs had a league average bullpen. They could have potentially been a playoff team last year, or at least been in the mix, playing meaningful games in the end. But they've always been a terrible team at closing games the last few seasons. Right now, they got Paul Seawald in that ninth inning, got Kevin Ginkle in the eighth. I think it would be the innings before that where I had the most concern, maybe in those middle innings, depending if it's like a Mansply or Kyle Nelson or Miguel Castro. Maybe one of those guys start to uh, bust um, later on in the postseason. That would be my biggest concern, Peter. Stay up to date on the Arizona Diamondbacks by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Diamondbacks on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. And finally, Commissioner Rob Manfred believes it's too early to judge baseball's new playoff format even after two division winners were swept this postseason and a third managed just one win. It's only year two, Manfred said, before game four of the Philadelphia Phillies-Atlanta Braves NL Division Series on Thursday night. Critics... Have insisted a five-day layoff is too long for the top seeds. They argue the best teams become rusty before their playoff journey even begins. To paraphrase our Locked on Rangers host, Bryce Paderick, from our show the other day, if you're the better team, then go win the games. 
Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on the next Locked On Sports today, who will look the best in week six of the NFL? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 